Welcome to another week in review on our Source podcast. And it's been a massive week too, Jordan McDonald. Yes. Very big week. My name's Michael Crutcher. And when we last met for this podcast last week, we couldn't have really guessed what the first topic would be this week, which we'll get into. But yes, I must say, this is a week, we had just mentioned this in the, in the office before, but there is a ridiculous amount of sport on at the moment. Yeah. I'm embarrassed to say I haven't watched any of it. Oh, really? Yeah. Not one. Really? Not one minute of it. Wow. Well, I've been making up for some of your... Yeah, certainly you would have been, yeah. It's been... Thinking about it, I... And I guess borrowing the old Roy and HG line that too much sport is barely enough, <laughs> which has been this week. But it's just astonishing. Yeah, what have we had this week? Oh, the... the the Matildas last night, the Ashes yeah. started last night, the Broncos played yeah, last Paddy night. Paddy got his first try, saw that. He did, yes. That's Terrace, old boy. He did. There's a there's World Swimming Championships on. Yeah. There's a World Netball Cup on I read about oh. this morning somewhere soon. Apparently. It's just... <laughs> anyway. There's a bit. We're not going to talk about sport day. No. This, we're going to talk about X. Yes. And Twitter and this... Story that came from nowhere, which we have to discuss straight away today because this is quite a massive move in the world of social media. You're going to tell us about it because... Yeah, there's a fair bit of information. There's a bit to bring up to speed. So Twitter is now called X. Simple yes, as that. That's, that is... Yeah, <laughs> very simply, that is it. But um, yeah, there is a bit to this story. So it begins on Sunday... Elon tweeted, uh, and soon we shall bid adieu to the Twitter brand and gradually all the birds. And then very shortly after he tweeted again, and he said, if a good enough X logo is posted tonight, we'll make it go live worldwide tomorrow. So just like that, yeah, the Twitter, uh, I guess, brand... Uh, is gone just like that from a tweet from its owner Elon Musk. That's exactly it. Just and gone. Very next day, there it was. He changed the bird to the X. X. Yes, but there is some interesting backstory to the X. Been yes. trawling Twitter and the various online uh, sort of uh, curiosities, and there's uh, apparently there's a book written, but there's, there's a guy on on Twitter who did a nice thread that summarised parts of this book. It was a very good thread. It was good and it talks about the significance of this X. So I've summarised that. So That's back good. in 1999, Elon started a company called X, okay? And it was supposed to become a financial superstore. That's what he wanted it okay. to be. People could do all their banking and financial transactions online. He invested a lot of his own money into the company. I think it was, you know, 12 and a half million at the time. Yep. And tried to build essentially an online bank. Yep. Um, you know, there were a few problems along the way, like anything to do with Elon. Um, one, the, the internet at the time was yeah, very clunky too. It was very clunky. Not uh, These not are the dial-up days. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> one problem was that people were opening accounts with fake names 
it's funny how that's happening then, still happening now. Yeah. Um, which is obviously not allowed. Uh, another problem was that there was a vulnerability in the system that allowed people to move money between accounts a little too easily. Okay. And uh, these issues worried investors. At the same time, there was another company called Confinity, led by a man named Peter Thiel, and he was working on a similar idea called PayPal. And they were focused on a new way to send money through email at the time. Okay. Eventually, X and Confinity realised that they were accidentally creating the uh, the same thing, so they decided to merge. And when the companies merged, Elon became the CEO. But Despite the merger, he still, Elon, was still obsessed with his ex-financial okay. superstore. Uh, and he demanded that PayPal essentially be folded in, it be renamed to xPayPal and be routed to x.com. X.com. Yes. Which was not a pornography website. No, no. Uh, but that's interesting you say that. The board was pretty anxious about this and they'd been doing a lot of focus groups about this and the, the name X or the company name X... And the feedback was consistently, oh, God, I wouldn't trust that site or that's an adult site. Yeah, x.com. Yeah. That's what it sounds X. like. x.com. Yeah, so nothing, nothing above board going on there. No. So what ends up happening is the board agrees on a coup. They gather the signatures and as Elon's taking off for his honeymoon, they call an emergency board meeting and Elon's out. So you know, While, he, while he's in the air. Yeah, so uh, yeah, he considered defeat too. He was very angry, but... Yeah, admittedly to his credit right. he um, said it was an amicable decision um, so now here we are today Musk's sustained obsession with X has risen to the surface again he thoroughly believes that it's his uh, that it's his key to his success and he wants to make it happen with his new company X or Twitter as it formerly was known yes and he reckons he can't get tossed out this time because he owns the thing that's true he can't be that's it so we're looking yeah. at the current Twitter X now yes and I reckon if you looked at Twitter or X since he bought it, it's just completely deteriorated ever since. He bought it for $54.20 per share, which was worked out to be about $44 billion. Yeah, about $65 billion Australian. Yes, that's it. Mm. Back in October last year, commentators said the price at the time was you know way above its actual value, but Elon, yeah. even Elon couldn't back out of that one at the end. He was sort of forced into that. Um, he sort of tried to He for tried a while. to, but yeah. they strong-armed him a bit. Yeah. Um, but by May this year, Twitter's value is uh, at about one-third of what he paid for it now, which is not great. He's lost over half his advertisers and the revenue that comes with it. Yeah. You know, usage is continuing to decline too, and it doesn't help when you've got new competitors like Threads. Yes. Um, so everywhere you turn, it's not really great for Twitter or for X, as we should call it. In that right. sense, X. yeah, yes. it's yes. just oh, can't get used to no, that. No, I can't. In that sense, I can see why the rebrand might have been appealing. You know, it's a, it's a way to sort of pretend clean your slate, and you know, hopefully, all those users and advertisers will come back and the money as well. But it's that. I mean, it's in that black color. It is. It's not a particularly ins- exciting logo. No. And if you, at least, on my desktop, if you want to tweet. You still got to hit a button that's blue and says tweet. It says tweet. That's exactly right. So we're still tweeting on X. We're still tweeting on X as it, as it is. It's a bit odd. It is really strange. Yeah. The whole rebrand, as you look at it, it's it's all over the shop. It's drab. It is black. So it's what like, yeah. will Twitter or sorry X? I keep getting it wrong because yes, it's what will, just. What will X be? What, what will X be? Yes. 
Um, this chief executive um, of Twitter, Linda Yaccarino, she uh, described Twitter and she tweeted this. Yeah. Um, it'll be a platform that includes audio, video, messaging and banking capabilities aligning with Musk's ambition to create an everything app. Do people want that? Has there been a demand for this? I don't think this? he cares. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't I, think he's I'm ever cared. I'm aware of this demand. This is sort of his whole... Mantra, yes. I'll just do as I please. Mm. Um, Elon unsurprisingly backs himself 110%. Mm. He tweeted saying X will become the most valuable brand uh, on earth. Mark my words. Most valuable brand on earth. Most valuable brand. Okay. But uh, look, looking at these early stages of this, of this rebrand, I can't say I'm filled with confidence at the moment. What do you think? Oh, look up. I guess I go back to what did Musk really pay $65 billion Australian dollars for last year because he's sort of changed almost everything to do with it. It's like someone who's bought a house mm. and then completely redesigned the house. Yeah. Um, I don't sort of really understand that. Why did he – you know, he bought Twitter, he sacked a bunch of people. Yeah. He drove away a bunch of celebrity users who helped yeah. to bring traffic and now he's changed the name. Mm-hmm. So it seems like, you know, what's there left to do? Oh, well obviously he wants to create the everything app. That's, that's good. Let's see what happens there. <sighs> yeah, well, I don't know. But now wasn't it amid the whole thing last year about the hullabaloo that he wanted to, you know, maybe get out? He spoke about developing his own competitor to Twitter at the time. Just going to start his own competitor, which is sort of now what his rival Mark Zuckerberg has done. Yeah. Has done. He started three months. Yeah. So I just don't know where it goes from here, but it is fascinating. It's it's sort of fascinating because I guess my training is in journalism, and you're always trying to look at a decision someone's made and trying to work out why the decision's been made. Mm-hmm. And I must say, I struggle with Elon Musk's decisions to work out where they're going with it. No, I, I, I agree with you. So maybe in a year's time or five years' time, we'll sit here and go, that was genius. It was genius, but I'm yet to be convinced. Yeah, I'm the same. I don't see where it's going. So yeah, I'm um, the same with you. But very, very interesting. Yeah, absolutely very interesting. And it's not the first time he's changed the logo too. I read, I, remember, I was reminded of uh, a thing he did earlier in the year where he replaced the logo with that... Um, that the dog, 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 the Doge, whatever dog, it is. Yes, yes, that's um, the one for that crypto, the Doge yeah, he coin. Did. Yeah, that's which it. was hugely successful. But he says Twitter was largely unchanged and unfazed. Okay, that was a little dog that turned that's a up dog there. Yeah, with the X though. Yeah, <laughs> different. Well, what a uh, what an interesting development it was. Now, another big thing this week, which we actually again we wouldn't have mentioned this last week, is Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer, which is, of course, the combination of the two massive movies, Barbie and Oppenheimer. (laughs) There you go, Barbie. Barbie and Oppenheimer. Barbenheimer. And their blockbusters that have delivered cinema's biggest weekend since COVID hit. So does this mean we love going to the cinema again? And let's do a history lesson. Oh, I'm all here for that. It's the same cinema that has been written off many times over the last decade, decade or so. But I thought that, but then you go back and look even further and it's obviously not just the last decade that cinema has been written off. So 
Now, I read somewhere this week that it is 100 years this month since the famous Hollywood sign went up. Yes, listened to a podcast about this the other day. So, 100 years. Yes. Let's do a history lesson, then a modern history lesson. I'm so excited for this, I know a bit. It is, uh, you can just uh, probably toddle off and come back in five minutes if you like. Sure, it, sure. Just amuse yourself no, I'm there, here to listen. Look, let's think of those hundred years. So a few years after the Hollywood sign went up, radio just roared to life and it became yep. very popular. Mm-hmm. People would sit around the radio and listen and everyone said, well, this is bad news for cinema back then. Things are changing. Not long after radio, of course, the Great Depression comes along. Mm-hmm. People really struggled or they have money to go to the movies not really um and not long after that television was invented so that's going to do huge damage to the cinemas yet cinema survives yes then came home video and cable tv so again that was also supposed to cause problems for the cinemas Mm -hmm. because you know we can go to the shop and get the vhs that's it rental if you can get one Mm -hmm. home what a time that was and now, of course, streaming services have established themselves not just as an option for people to sit there and watch programs at home, but making their own movies as well. So making their own movies, putting, some, putting a lot of those to the cinemas and they qualify for awards. So Netflix has won a bunch of Oscars yeah, over sure time. Has. But then, you know, sort of getting them onto home options pretty soon. So... Warner Brothers in 2021, I think, announced at the time that all of their movies in 2021 would have simultaneous release on HBO Max or whatever it was called back then. So this is all great for for the viewer. The options are good for the viewer, but what does that mean for cinemas itself? Mm. So the act of going to the cinema... Driving your car there, getting out, trying to find a park, going and, uh, you know, getting robbed for popcorn and drinks... And all that type of thing. So, and then, of course, COVID came along. So that's not even including COVID. So, okay, let's have a look at COVID by some of the numbers. These are US numbers. In 2020, movie theatres sold about 216 million tickets. Okay. 2021, up to 492 million. Yeah. 2022, 813 million. Uh, But that was all below the the pre-COVID number of 1.2 billion. So they're starting to go back up. Okay. Okay. And then along comes Barbenheimer. Have you seen Barbie or Oppenheimer yet? I have not seen not seen either of them yet. No. Okay, so along they come. Neither have I. So you and I are in the we're too busy. Yeah, that's watching what we're sport saying. for me at least. So <laughs> I went at a look at at Barbie and Oppenheimer in the Chermside Cinemas tonight. Okay, Friday yep. night. Okay, so about five hours before. I looked at the sessions from 6 o'clock onwards, okay? Mm-hmm. So from 6 o'clock tonight at Chermside, there are eight Barbie sessions. And really? Yeah, eight. And from 6 o'clock tonight, there are four Oppenheimer sessions. So 12 sessions all up, okay? I went through and looked at the bookings to see, you know, not that I'm going, but say I was going. Mm. According to the cinema's website, those eight Barbie sessions, so eight of them, only had 140 seats available across all those sessions combined. That's left, 140 seats left. Wow. That's all over those eight sessions. Okay. Oppenheimer, four sessions, only 118 seats available for those four sessions. Okay. Okay, and that was still five hours to go before it begins. So that's really good, then, isn't it? So, so but let's not get too excited yet, because there's been so much commentary on this in recent years. Heaps of commentary in recent years, including I found this some research by the Harvard Business Review on where cinema stood post-COVID. So 
The fact is that Barbie and Oppenheimer have been backed by massive marketing budgets. I mean, it's inescapable. Yep. I totally expected you to come into work the other day in pink. It seems that everyone was wearing pink. Yeah, it was, it was a bit like pink. that. It's, but you didn't. Anyway, so it's been huge. So let's take that into account. And here's the thing about the cinemas. It's a way for friends to go out together. It's an outing. It is. You can, you can go out and it experience is. these movies as an event. But how often are we going to get these massive movies? So Indiana Jones and Mission Impossible, they've been out in the last month or so. They haven't done as well as, I guess, their studios would have liked from what I've read. That's it. And they're seriously good movie franchises. So strip away those massive Barbenheimer revenues and the feeling is that movie receipts are still down on the, on the pre-COVID era, so they're mm-hmm. still down. So here's my thing. I still believe that cinemas have real challenges ahead of them. Okay. So it's not just that... You don't have to wait that long now to see movies after the cinemas. Maybe it used to be a long time. Yeah, it was a long time and even longer than for the DVD back in the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you had to wait like three months, four months yeah. or whatever. So if, the, oh, if I don't go to the movies now, it's going to be quite a wait. But, I mean, we, we've you can get these things. Now, I, I read somewhere where, this going back, researching this piece, where one of the cinema chains in the US and one of the studios brokered a deal of 17 days minimum before the... Uh, the movie could go on streaming services after it premiered the movies. Right. So they brokered this. Up until then, some of these movie cinema chains were boycotting studios if they went too early. They just refused to take their movies, all of their studio movies, as a way to say, hey, this is the game. So that, that sort of right. bullying thing where it doesn't work in modern media. Just ask newspapers. Yeah, true. The great bullies for decades. Anyway, so there's that. So... But what about the cinemas themselves, though? So if that's what they're going to try and do, what about the cinemas themselves? Should this be all the responsibility of the studio? Um, I don't know. Um, how do cinemas engage, like, gaming? Like, mm-hmm. you know, massive screens. Like, how do they engage that? I don't know. Uh, do they have private viewing rooms? I don't know. Or on-demand movies? Like, I, I don't go to the movies often. But when no. you do, say the movie starts at 6 o'clock tonight, well, it's not going to come on the screen to probably 6.15 at the minimum. At the minimum. Minimum. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, so maybe that's where the cinemas also need to play in some of those spaces or look at what they can do. I'm sure they are, just to see what happens in the years to come. Oh, look, I don't expect cinemas are going anywhere, but it's more about the volume of it. Yeah. The volume. It's not, it's not so much cinemas aren't going to disappear, I don't think, but the volume of it, the viability of some of them, mm-hmm. that's more I, I'm at. Anyway, your thoughts on all of that? Um, I think it looks promising for movie theatres. I'm slightly more optimistic than what I was a year ago. I think Barbie and Oppenheimer have attracted such big audiences because people have grown tired of new instalments of old franchises that every year. Yeah, that's which true. Which is why the Mission Impossibles maybe aren't doing yeah, so well. Yep. Um, I also agree that the massive budgets and the creative marketing has helped immensely here. I can't remember the last time I actually saw uh, marketing to this level or so you know, widespread. Yeah. It's, um, it's prominent, especially Barbie. I mean, our three boys at home are talking about Oppenheimer. Like they've actually looked up to see yeah. what the story was about. Yeah. No, it's, like, uh, it's been really interesting yeah. to watch. I like the question you've left the listeners to, how often are we going to get these massive movies? Um, we always know that there will be – we always knew there would be lag from COVID. Yeah. Um, and these massive movies, particularly the animated ones that we get, like Avatar, they take years to make. I would have liked to say I reckon we get a few more, um, few more consistently in the next couple of yep. years. 
But obviously we've got the strike going on at the moment that's too. That's exactly right, of course. So that's going to add further delay. Yeah. Um, however, I do hope that Barbie and Oppenheimer give studios some confidence that taking some risk and spending some bigger money does put people in seats still. Yeah. It's still worth doing. I also think there's a bit of a shift in audience behaviour. I think we're so glued to the devices and screens and really still so conditioned to being able to meticulously tailor all our entertainment that um, I, st- I think we miss, we're starting to miss being part of an audience. Yeah, that's a I good I think point. there's still value in watching a movie and, and being scared or laughing as one. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point because it's... And, and look, the numbers obviously going to Barbenheimer at Chermsworth tonight are big. Yeah. So you do feel part of it. Yep. I remember going and watching those Star Wars uh, reboots, you know, episodes one, two and three. And that was the first time I'd been in a movie cinema where, you know, um, the words at the start of Star Wars, you know, uh, this, uh, up in silence come, come the words a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. They come up and the whole cinema would cheer. Yeah. Which is sort of... A unique experience in a cinema. Yeah. It doesn't happen yeah. often. No, it wouldn't. No. I can't say I've been in one of those scenarios. I don't think. Yeah, I'll go to the midnight screenings and say, mm. now, I was at the midnight screenings dressed normally. Were you? I certainly was. Okay. I don't have any repertoire there in terms of dressing like uh, mm. a stormtrooper. But obviously <laughs> this was pre-children because I was going to the movies at midnight like I was some sort yeah. of, you know, billionaire. Uh but the feelings in those sort of movies was, was, was really good. It was like an event. So I'm guessing, yeah. again, I did say on this podcast last week that I, I wouldn't be seeing Barbie and I sort of stick to that mm. because I maybe down the track when it's free on streaming. Oh, yeah, when I it comes to you. Yeah, I can't see myself um, yeah, okay. forking out money for that, especially <laughs> when there's uh, so much sport on. So little one I want to do this week is on some work around – Numbers of people from online media uh, subscriptions. The Guardian this week and the Telegraph, both in the UK, put out some. Uh, There's some stories about their revenues and their their user numbers. The Telegraph Media Group saying it'll soon reach one million paying subscribers. The Guardian uh, releasing its financial results for the last twelve months. J- just one interesting thing on that. Reading through some of that, it just seemed to me that. One of the things that's emerging here is that one of the really valuable things in online news outlets, trying to get readers to pay for news, and this is, this is the difficult thing, but the advantage here seems to be to the ones who, not just getting people to pay for news, but getting donations out of them. Mm-hmm. So, so getting people who will make sort of donations and see that particular media outlet as a good cause. Now... That's when you get down to what we've seen a lot more of in the last sort of five years or so, media outlets that slant a particular way, left or right. So they go left, they go right, away from what was traditionally down the middle because media outlets had so much advertising revenue. Yeah, It was about that. It wasn't about their political stance, really. It was more about their advertising revenue. That's gone. Now it's about their political stance. That's how they're getting revenue. So just another reinforcement this week that either you're on the left or the right, it, it, no matter if you're stirring up passionate supporters, they will donate money and that is a big difference in the overall scheme of things. Yeah. So anyway, I wanted to uh, to flag that. Now, interesting, some TV news this week, Jordan, you've kept an eye on? 
Yes, no, it's just a small mention. We um, we looked at the the, the ratings uh, earlier this week, and it's uh, the John Farnham biopic. Yes, the, the documentary that sort of traces the rise and fall and rise again of the music legend. Yes, uh, and it's just showing us it's showing us just how much Australians really really love him. Yes. They really really get around John Farnham. Um, so. After it became the highest-grossing Australian feature-length documentary of all time in the theatres, uh, the television broadcast on Seven this week attracted eight hundred sixty-six thousand viewers nationwide. They're good you, numbers, aren't it's they? Pretty good numbers. Good numbers, yes. Very strong numbers. We saw in the paper. I don't know who reported. It, they said one point three million. But yeah, that everywhere was, we checks was eight six six. So. Yes. We're missing some numbers somewhere if that 1.3 is correct. But either yes. way, big numbers. Um, if you haven't seen the documentary, it captures Farnham's journey from being Australia's king of pop in the late, in the late 1960s and 70s to his struggles and triumphant comeback with the album Whispering Jack. Now, John doesn't actually uh, feature on the screen. This is an no, authorised... No, he doesn't. That's no, it's right. an authorised body of work which yes. the family is given their blessing for. Um, but the audiences who've watched it have described it as an inspiring and heartwarming uh, story showcasing John's dedication to the craft. So fans all around the world have tuned in, as well as in Australia. But, yes, um, I did watch it. You have? What do you think? Um, look, it was sort of what I expected in the sense that it was a chronological documentary. I thought there might have been some little moments of sort of... You know, I didn't expect in it, but without John participating in it in terms yep. of, you know, uh, look, at, look, it was very interesting. I can see why people found it popular. Yeah. It didn't blow, blow my socks off. You know, it was, it was, it was, it's a great story and it's hard not to feel <coughs> pride in the story. Uh, also a bit of a sad story too, I must say. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but interesting, but good to see those numbers. It just goes to show that Australia still has a real soft spot for those, you know, that, those real stars of the country who are decent people. And, you know, it was Olivia Newton, John, her voice featured in, in that, in the doco. Look, my understanding of it, and I really should check this before I say it, but my understanding was obviously she was very ill at the time and so she's not on camera but her contributions are excellent. Okay. So they're really good. So And we love Olivia Newton-John. So Australians have a real soft spot for these people that we see as quintessential Australians who... Definitely. You know, so that, that wasn't too bad. Um, now, I forgot to get the front pages of the magazines but what I've done is in this age of modern media i've just got my phone out now and i've got oh. the front pages of the celebrity magazines is so there a royal on there there is a royal but now look i i there's i haven't been through these yet so this is like coming at you live with i just the first time i've seen it oh okay and what do we got well look on woman's day we've got uh exclusive dr chris and sonia tv's best kept secret oh i don't know much sonia about that Kruger. Yeah, I don't really care for that story. Good luck Nor to them. I. I hope whatever their best kept secret is is great. What I'm interested in is 68 days apart, have Harry and Megan really split 68 did, days apart? I wasn't aware they'd been apart at all. Apparently there's been 68 days. 68 days? Not 60, hours? Well, 68 days. So yeah, I don't know what's happening there. And now look, of course, Gladiators, 
Yeah. Where are they now? Oh. Remember the TV show Gladiators? No. Where are they now? I no. didn't watch Gladiators and I don't really care where they are now. I hope they're all doing well. Sure. But anyway, yep. that's there. Now, what about new idea? Because there's royals everywhere. Oh, so I'm doing the impromptu cover too. Yeah, yeah. you can do impromptu cover, new Jeez. idea. Okay, what have we got? Harry and William rush to King's side. Yeah, the Is king. there trouble? Looks to be. The king's got a hand on the on the forehead there, the forehead. Just uh Yeah, it looks very um very I think he's got like a summer yeah, flu not, over there or good. something. Not good. And we've got very sort of paparazzi esque photos of, of uh Harry and William there. But they're not reporting on the split. No. No 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 report of the split. Uh, further down, we've got Scotty's final season. Shock report for the block there. So it looks like they're signalling it maybe the end of his time on the show, but it's probably not. Are you watching that show? We watched the last one. I actually got quite into it. But if there's a current season on now, oh, I don't know. So There is a current season on yeah. because I saw the ads during State of Origin. Yep. Okay. Well, I've not watched any so of So I think it started. There were Fairly, plenty, plenty of ads. Probably correct. Yeah. Uh, we've got Denise Drost, our uh, guide to getting older. Okay. Probably won't look at that one just yet for me. Uh, Modern Families, Sophia, $325 million divorce. I did read about that the other week. I that did was see on that. The cover of something else we read the other week. Yes, I did see that one. Yeah, so what went wrong? That's the question they're all asking. Oh, it's obviously a page turner. Yes. I've uh, got a, oh, Carrie and Tommy's red carpet debut. Very interesting story, I'm sure. And then we've got some recipes at the top. There's a recipe book inside, te- 20, 20 tasty new dishes. Oh, this is fantastic. Wow. So these magazines, Value. we mentioned because they tap into what's popular for their audience. They do a very good job of it, an excellent job of it in this day and age. And don't forget, this one you missed out, or I missed out in the woman's days. Miss? I missed it, my mistake. Oh, right. It's food again. One tray, six dinners out of one tray. Really? That's a, like a magic tray. Isn't it? What's in that, I wonder? I don't know. Six dinners in one what tray. What isn't in that's probably the question. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Now, uh, what's the weekend for you? Uh, work tonight and work tomorrow night, but a much earlier finish tomorrow night than tonight. Oh, really? Yeah. I worked last night too and I regret it massively. Well, see, in the guide to getting older, mm. that probably would say an earlier finish there and a Saturday night's good for getting older. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Other than that, there's a fairly... Fairly big yard job to be done tomorrow. Oh, it's, it's overdue, yeah. considerably overdue. It's always uh, so. Uh, I'll be grabbing the mower on the way home and giving it a right hack tomorrow. Good day for it too. Mm. What about mm. you? I've got uh, junior sport everywhere, and uh, the Mighty Devils are at uh, Ipswich this weekend. Oh yes, that's Ipswich. Which it's a three p.m. Saturday game, which means the sun's up. Okay, which is always my preferred time to go to Ipswich for a game in the winter. Mm, the night games can be a bit chilly. They do. Get, it does drop out there, the temp. Yeah, they do. They've got a good canteen out there. Oh, do they? They do, yeah. Oh, what are the highlight items? What's well, what the just, go-tos? If you've got the 7 p.m. game, you're going to the warm, the, mm. the, the hot box there, which really does assist. Oh, so it's more just the facilities as opposed to the food. Or is the food pretty up there too? Food's up there. It's good. Yeah. If we could do, well, maybe we'll add one of these uh, days a high ranking mechanism for suburban footy grounds yeah yeah we could do that you could do that enjoy the weekend you too